This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. The following podcast contains explicit language. From Washington, D.C., this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm Bob Garfield with Mike Volo, and today, episode number 63, a new installment of Linguophile, wherein we discuss a mystery word or phrase with lexicographer Ben Zimmer. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Bobby. How you doing, buddy? Splendid, thank you. And your own self? I'm great. I'm great. Before we get started, Bob, I just want to put in a little plug for something on Slate that I have been really enjoying lately and I'm only marginally involved in. It is a nine-episode podcast series on Slate Plus, so you have to be a member to listen to it, called The History of Slavery. It's part of what we hope will be a series of series called Slate Academy. And in fact, if you are a member, you can go to slate.com slash academy to listen to it. It is the history of slavery told through the stories of nine individual slaves, hosted by Rebecca Onion and Jamel Bowie, who's a political reporter for Slate and writes about race. It's really, really fascinating so far. There's only been three episodes. So slate.com slash academy to listen to it if you're a member. If you're not a member, you could sign up to be a member at that same URL. Okay, so Ben, you are on the line. You're in New York. Hello, I'm here. What is our word today? Sorry, let's back that up. What is our <laughs> okay. clue today? Okay, I've got a clue for you. It's about me, actually. The word that I want to talk about this time, it's not a word that I would actually want associated with myself, but if you write my initials in a particular way, you can actually see this word. Does this include your middle initial? No, no. Okay. Just uh, first and last. B- busy body? <laughs> B Z, boozy, bizarre, uh, douchebag. Am I warm? <laughs> what? <laughs> if you uh, wrote the periods in a certain way. If you periods. wrote the periods in a certain B-dum, way. B period, Z period. If you didn't write them as periods necessarily, but <laughs> I didn't realize this would be so hard. If you just wrote the periods as little circles, what would it look like? <laughs> Bozo. Oh, thank bozo. you. Uh, I, I thought that would be a lot easier, actually. Oh, that's a bozo no-no. <laughs> how, could, how could I not have seen that? So, yeah, if the periods look more like little O's, then it would be bozo. And you don't want that word associated with you because you don't want people to think that you're a clown? You're not here to amuse us or something? I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? Exactly. Exactly. But you are here to amuse us. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You might call me bozotic. Uh, That's a fun adjective derived from bozo that I've seen. (laughs) I've never heard it before. But I can see using it and saying it to somebody and making them think that they're being flattered. (laughs) 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 You are so truly bozotic. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Are you familiar with the term boson? Boson particle? Like the Higgs boson? Well, that's boson with an S, but with a Z, the boson, B-O-Z-O-N, that's the quantum unit of stupidity. Oh, I get it. That's a little (laughs) physicist joke, huh? Yeah, something like that. 
so my etymological association with bozo is as the name of a character at a children's birthday party who puts on face makeup and juggles. He was a TV personality, Mike, and I, you know, I know in Chicago, but I think syndicated, I think Bozo was a character that was on local TV in lots of cities yeah, to entertain yeah. children off prime hours. For most of the time that Bozo has been on the air, it's not been syndicated, but actually a, a franchise where each local station could have its own Bozo. Yeah, that's what I meant. The most famous one is the one from Chicago, Bob Bell. And because he was on WGN, WGN became a, a superstation in the late 70s. He got sort of national attention and led to a whole sort of resurgence of interest in Bozo the Clown in the 80s. So Emmett Kelly didn't go by the name Bozo? Emmett Kelly? No, he was a sad clown. He was a circus clown. <laughs> so, but you associate Bozo just with that particular kind of clown, the one that was on, on the kids' shows. Yeah, he was the character upon whom Krusty the Clown is based. I believe, actually, the Chicago Bozo the Clown may have been an influence for the voice of Krusty the Clown. But for the most part, uh, Matt Groening, who grew up in Portland, was actually modeling Krusty on another regional clown for kids on TV who was in the Portland market, and his name was Rusty Nails. So I think that was the main source of inspiration. I stand corrected. I assumed, and you know when you assume, you make a bozo of you and me. You just asserted that without really any solid information, right? Yeah, I'm a journalist. That's how it works. Wait, one more pop culture reference. Yes. There's an episode of Seinfeld in which George Costanza attends a children's birthday party, and... There is a clown. It's actually the actor John Favreau who's playing the clown, and the clown's name is Eric. <laughs> Bozo? No. B-O-Z-O. Sorry. I... You've never heard of Bozo the Clown? No. How could you not know who Bozo the Clown is? I don't know. I just don't. So let's talk about where Bozo the Clown came from, how he came into being. The TV Bozo the Clown, which actually started off back in 1946, before television, there was a children's album along with a read-along book that was put out by Capitol Records called Bozo at the Circus. Hello, hello, I'm Bozo the Clown. I'm going to take you on a trip to the circus. Start on page one in your picture book. They used the voice of a great voice actor named Pinto Kolvig, who was also the original voice of Goofy for Walt Disney. And that was such a big success for Capitol Records that, you know, Bozo even became the mascot of the record company. It was Bozo the Capitol Clown. And then they thought, okay, well, let's get this on TV, a very new thing at the time. And so the very first TV show with Bozo was Bozo's Circus, which broadcast in L.A. back in 1949. So we do know that bozo has been used as a slang term either for someone who's a bit foolish or even just to refer to a person, a fellow, going back in print sources to about 1920. So definitely before Bozo the Clown hit the airways, for sure. In fact, there are some World War I diaries that were published after the war where we see Bozo showing up like that Bozo or, you know, hey, you old Bozo, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we've got sort of various 
bits of evidence to suggest that soldiers in World War I were using this, you know, in a playful way, not necessarily calling someone an out-and-out -out fool, but there could be a bit of sort of a pejorative tinge to the way that they were using it, but not really strong the way we refer to bozos. It's hard to imagine calling anybody a bozo in any context that doesn't have at least a whiff of pejorativeness. <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine that as a compliment. I can imagine it, though, being an affectionate epithet. Yeah, it, it might be a bit affectionate with not as strong a sense of clownishness, but there is a bit of a sense of foolishness buried in there. Ben, if you haven't uncovered something yeah. revelatory here, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> well, I got some help with this from someone who uh, we mentioned before on the podcast, Peter Wrighton. You may remember he was the one who uh, investigated Get One's Goat. Mm -hmm. He has his early sports and pop culture history blog where he publishes all sorts of very interesting findings that he digs up from historical newspaper databases. And he pinpointed a very interesting precursor to Bozo the Clown, who we know about from television. There was, in fact, a vaudeville character who went by the name Bozo. This was from the very early 20th century, even before World War I. So he dug up all sorts of really interesting stuff, and, and I'm pretty convinced that this particular character plays an important part in the Bozo story, the untold Bozo, because, you know, once Bozo the Clown hit TV, this old vaudeville Bozo was completely forgotten about. I'm already sold, it seems clear. <laughs> vaudeville, an explicitly, at least in part, explicitly comic entertainment form in which there is a character named Bozo. I mean, come on, do tell. Yeah. I want to hear this. Okay. All right. Well, it starts off, actually, you know, George M. Cohan. The composer. Yankee Doodle Dandy, that guy. He started off writing these sort of comedies, and one of his that was very popular, a vaudeville comedy, was called A Wise Guy. That goes back to 1899. And in that, there was a famous vaudeville performer named Edmund Hayes, who was the role of the wise guy. The character's name was Spike Hennessy. And he is a piano mover, working-class guy moving pianos. And he's mixing it up with the high-class folks and hijinks ensue, of course. Cartoons have ruined me on piano moving generally. I see that as an <laughs> inherently comic act. Well, th this is where it started. This is why piano moving became funny. They were doing this without the uh, benefit of cartoon pianos, which could fall on Elmer Fudd's head or whatever. And mysteriously leave behind crisscrossed adhesive tape. <laughs> there was the giant welt, you know, that forms right. Right. instantly. And then somehow the injury leaves <laughs> behind a bandage, which yeah. is... <laughs> it defies time and space as we know it, but nonetheless is a, a trope of cartoon piano victimization. Yes, along with the stars or other things that might be the circling stars, you after you often some get hit by the piano. Cuckoo bird sounds and uh, <laughs> cuckoo birds. Yeah. It may also be the case that you are flattened and then you suddenly reinflate. <laughs> And you know when you get hit by a piano in a cartoon and you open your mouth, instead of teeth, you've got piano keys and they're making like a piano sound. Right. <laughs> Which again, I mean, I just want to point out, is a miracle. Because it's just not possible to replace your teeth with piano keys just by having been crushed by a, a falling musical instrument. It just doesn't happen that way. I mean, I've been in ERs 
I've never seen that. Bob, I think you've been watching cartoons wrong your whole life. Think of them as magical realism. <laughs> now, you know, suddenly the scales fall from my eyes. Yeah, Because see? now I see the direct connection between Gabriel Garcia Marquez and what's his name, Bulgakov. Mm-hmm. Master wrote, and Margarita. Uh, Master and Margarita. I now see that directly to Warner Brothers. Somehow I had not seen that before. I, now I just feel like a bozo. So we had Edmund Hayes, and he became actually quite famous as this wise guy character. And so this show ended up having kind of various spinoffs. In 1910, there was a spinoff called The Wise Guy in Society. Again, piano mover with the high society people. But this time, the wise guy Spike Hennessy has a sidekick, and his name is Bozo. Hmm. So Peter Wrightson dug up all sorts of interesting stuff about this character Bozo, who starts off as the sidekick to wise guy Spike Hennessy. They're both working class piano movers now, and the original uh, Wait, is role... There any, is there any other kind of piano mover? Is, is, <laughs> is there like an, an aristocratic piano mover? <laughs> I don't think David Niven ever played this role. So, okay, so we've got, we've got, we've got Edmund Hayes playing Spike Hennessy, and now we've got, starting uh, in 1910, an actor named Bobby Archer playing Bozo. And we have print references to this. They're performing this. Peter Wrighton has examples from 1911 specifically talking about Bobby Archer, who plays Bozo, and the kind of craziness they would get into when the piano would fall on someone. You know, from the descriptions, it seems like (laughs) they probably were not, like, you know, dropping actual pianos on stage. So a lot of it is being done with pantomime. They were dropping upright pianos. They weren't baby grands (laughs) or grands. They were upright so that the the damage would be limited. (laughs) It's hard to tell exactly, but we get actually better descriptions of what's happening in this sort of vaudeville performance when there's a new actor who comes into the role of Bozo, who really makes Bozo famous, at least for the world of vaudeville. And his name is Thomas Snyder. And he starts performing with Edmund Hayes in 1914. And they're calling their show The Piano Movers. They're still having a lot of success with this whole piano movers thing. (laughs) Never gets old. Never gets old. (laughs) So Thomas Snyder becomes very well associated with this role of Bozo, and he performs it as a kind of a clown character, but not the clown with the crazy orange hair that we would see later, but the sad, quiet, tramp clown character. There's your Emmett Kelly, Mike. Right. Well, you know, I I think the tramp character is most famous with Charlie Chaplin, obviously, as a little tramp. Charlie Chaplin was actually a big fan of the work of Thomas Snyder, and probably Thomas Snyder's bozo character helped to influence Charlie Chaplin's tramp character. So he would do everything in pantomime, and he was this, again, this sort of quiet character and a foil for the wise guy character played by Edmund Hayes. And so he finds great success with this role starting in 1914 and becomes so associated with this character, people just call him Bozo Snyder because, you know, he's the guy who plays Bozo in Mm. the piano movers. Clearly, you can see that even if it's not like Bozo the Clown on TV, you could see how Bozo associated with that role could become associated with a foolish person, an incompetent person, because they never were really that successful in moving those pianos, obviously. Sure. So the question then becomes, I guess, where did that name Bozo for this sidekick character, where did it come from to begin with? Did this Hayes guy who really ran with this piano mover trope and made it into a full show, did he make it up? Did he get it from some other source? And was it from there 
that it became the kind of good-natured epithet that was tossed around during World War One, which was starting exactly when this show broke out in vaudeville. Yeah, I mean, the timing is great. If the World War I soldiers are, are the ones who start calling each other bozo, you know, perhaps some of them saw this vaudeville show before they went off to war. The timing works out pretty well for that to be. But the, yeah, the question does remain, okay, but where are they getting this name from? If we say it's just, you know, the name of the character. And in fact, the name bozo does exist in the real world as well. It's been a personal name that Serbian or Croatian men have had. And so there are real people named Bozo who were coming to the United States, immigrants from Eastern Europe or Central Europe, who had this name Bozo. Now, did these Serbo-Croatians who were immigrants, did they have orange hair and large red noses (laughs) and oversized shoes? Oddly, no. I don't think that's a genetic trait. So that suggests then that the vaudeville people are getting this name as kind of a mildly derogatory name coming from this immigrant stereotype. And we see this with other names as well, of course. So for the Irishman, there's Paddy. You know, that Mm -hmm. name gets associated just with Irish stereotypes. With Polish people, you get the ethnic slur Polak, which actually starts off again, as this kind of uh, Polish stereotype. It's also perhaps where we get Paluka from, which became the name of a kind of an oafish boxer, but may have originally started off as a kind of a, again, another kind of immigrant name that you would use as a kind of a funny stock character. And in fact, one early print example that we have from 1921, it's a funny name of a boxer. There was a variety editor named uh, Jack Conway, or Con for short, and in variety he would write these letters to his friend Chick. And in 1921, he has a column where he says he had bet half a grand that Bozo would stay with Tomato. So he's talking about two boxers, and he's giving one the name Bozo and the other one Tomato. (laughs) And so he also, Conway, would use the word Paluka to refer to a kind of an oafish boxer. So Paluka perhaps has a Polish root, Bozo perhaps has a Serbo-Croatian root, and again, it would be easy to see the connection to these stock characters in vaudeville of these sort of clown-type characters who might take these names. Yeah, and in fact, I think of Paluka as possibly more caustic even than Bozo, implying that the boxer is not only oafish, but a little punch drunk, maybe Mm -hmm. even takes dives for money, a real hack boxer who is kind of there to be a punching bag for other more skilled boxers. In fact, perhaps you could bring up the uh, scene in Pulp Fiction where Bruce Willis is confronted by John Travolta Mm -hmm. at the bar at Ving Rhames' lair and is called Punchy and Palooka by Travolta, who was in a foul mood over an episode that he's just cleaned up after. Give me a pack of red apples. Build this. Right. Looking at something, friend? Me and my friend, Palooka. What's that? I think you heard me just fine, Punchy. What's interesting, too, is that, again, before we even get to Bozo the Clown showing up in the late 40s, early 50s on television. It was a funny term that showed up in movies. In 1931, it was used by both uh, Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers. The Laurel and Hardy movie is called One Good Turn. Come out of there. No, I won't. Come out of there. I won't. Now, you better leave me alone. Come out of there, you big bozo. I won't do 
It's also interesting, as Peter Wrighton points out, that Laurel and Hardy, of course, got their start in vaudeville. And in the following year, 1932, they had a movie called The Music Box, and they were two piano movers who were mm. like, you know, tramps who moved pianos, that whole thing. Uh, Laurel and Hardy used that, too. And then the, the Marx Brothers, also in 1931, their movie that came out that year, Monkey Business, there's a character who says to Groucho, say... Say, I can help you, bozos. Mr. Bozos to you. All right, Mr. Bozo. And you can help me. Mm-hmm. And where did uh, the Marx Brothers come from? Why? They came from vaudeville. Indeed. In fact, they were direct competitors with Bozo Snyder. So they were no doubt quite familiar with that vaudeville character of Bozo. And again, this is ongoing research. So Peter Wrighton, in fact, I, you know, I talked to him after he wrote this post and he said, well, I'm on the trail of an earlier bozo. He found an example referring to a, the great bozo hoop roller and barrel jumper in an advertisement from 1906. This is be a kind of a circus performer. Hoop roller is a kind of a juggler. A barrel jumper did this kind of tumbling act. So there was perhaps some precursor even before the vaudeville bozo in a circus act, but we're still sort of piecing that part of the story together. Regardless of whether there were these you know, early people in the circus being called bozo, we do know, though, that that was that Tommy Snyder who really brought the bozo character to life and made it famous. And, and so I think that he deserves recognition for his role, especially because it's completely forgotten about pretty much, especially, you know, starting with the TV era and Bozo the Clown and all of that has been, you know, left to the dustbin of history. Yeah, so forgotten that Eric the Clown didn't even know who Bozo was. <laughs> I don't know who Bozo is. What, is he a clown? Is he a clown? What, are you kidding me? Or what is he? Yes, he's a clown. All right, so what's the big deal? There's millions of clowns. <laughs> All right, just forget it. Forget me for you should forget it. You're living in the past, man. You hung up on some clown from the 60s, man. Oh. Very good, very good. All right, go fold your little balloon animals, Eric. Eric. Eric the Clown. You know, another reason I've been thinking about the word bozo is because uh, I recently read that Phil Austin died. And Phil Austin was a member of the great comedy troupe, the Firesign Theater. There were four of them, and actually Peter Bergman died a few years ago, so there are only two that are, are still living. One of their sort of famous albums, they did their best work on these comedy albums that were completely surreal, was an album in 1971, I Think We're All Bozos on This Bus. I don't know if either of you are that familiar with the uh, Firesign Theater. I but... <laughs> played them endlessly. And then the Firesign Theater returned to the Bozo theme in a, an album in 1980 called Fighting Clowns, and they led off with the Bozos song. So thinking about the Firesign Theater group a lot with the passing of Phil Austin, and that word had a special resonance with them. They did quite a lot with that word. All right, if any of you Bozos out there want to get in touch with us, you can write to us at lexiconvalley at slate.com. That's lexiconvalley at slate.com. Follow us on Twitter at lexiconvalley, and please subscribe to our feed in iTunes if you have not already done so. Joel Meyer is our managing producer, and Andy Bowers, our executive producer. All right, Mike, are we done here? Yeah, we're done. Adios, bozos. Bus. 
The president is driving us. Not one of us will make a fuss. This bus is off to You've got to stop blowing your money like this, Krusty. No can do. At this rate, you'll be broke in a month. The only thing left to do is to open a clown college and train some regional Krusties. You mean like that bozo, Bonko the Clown? Exactly. Forget it.